0: Good morning. This morning we're gonna read a fair portion of scripture to get where we want to end up. But first, I wanna tell you a story real quickly. But first I wanna pray. Father, we're so thankful for your presence in this place already. We're so thankful, Lord, that you dwell within us, among us around us, through us, Lord Jesus. What would we be without you and your spirit, Lord? We don't want to find out. We're just thankful that you're here, and I pray that you would bless and anoint by your spirit the rest of this service in Jesus' name. Amen. This week, Sharon asked me, well, how was your week? And I said, well, you're going to hear about it in a minute. I had to go to the dentist again for the same two teeth, the same two veneers that she's been working on the same gum surgery teeth that I had back in the past winter. And I really do like this dentist, but she's quirky as all get out. She mumbles to herself all the time. And then once in a while, she'll call out some instruction to the poor little assistant who tries her best or to me to open or close or turn my head or whatever. So she was diligently working and the poor assistant was doing her best to read her mind and read her actions and staying, you know, ahead of her to keep up with her needs. But it wasn't going very well and the doctor didn't think it was quite enough. So the assistant took a different approach she started asking the doctor a bunch of questions. Do you want this tool now? Do you want the blue or the yellow mold? Shall I blow the air on it now? Do you want me to suction now? And without missing a beat, with both her hands in my mouth, both the assistant's hands with tools in her hands in my mouth, the the doctor said these words. You ask too many questions. I will have to get back to you on those. And she didn't say another word about it. She just kept muttering to herself and plugging along. Well, I thought that was about the funniest thing I'd ever heard spoken in a dentist's office. And here I am, you know, how you are in a dentist office with feet and hands and everything in your mouth, it seems like. And I just busted out laughing. And I had tears pouring down my cheeks and the doctor and the the assistant both just cracked up. The dentist never said a word. She just chuckled a bit and we just kept on. Well, it did relax the tension And I'm thankful for that because about an hour and a half later, I was able to leave with the job done. Well, the temporaries are done, The, the real ones. She didn't like them, so she sent them back to be redone. So that's what's going on. But anyway, it allowed them to resettle their tensions and finish the job. Now, this message is not about my teeth, for sure. But I want you to keep that little story in mind that sometimes you get to your wit's end and something's gotta give. And now if you would turn to Numbers chapter 11. As I've told you many times, I love the book of Numbers, Exodus, Numbers. Genesis, of course, is the beginning of all things, all the begats and all the relationships and all those things. But the stuff that's buried in Numbers is good stuff. I encourage you to read it. There are many times in my Bible reading that I'll come across something and I just have to laugh because of the way it's said or the way that, you know, the the thing just comes about and it's a very funny, uh, has a funny reaction to me and I just have to laugh. We're going to read Numbers 11, starting at verse 10. I don't want to hurry through this. I don't want to go through the motions of just being up here. I want us to tap in to that spirit place with the Lord. Verse 10. Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, and Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them? That thou should say to me, carry them in your bosom. This is where I did the research on the bosom carrying. As a nursing father buried, beareth the sucking child. You notice it says father, not mother. Bearing the sucking child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers. When should I have flesh to give to all this people? For they weep weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I'm not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of hand, if I found favor in thy sight. And let me not see my wretchedness. Now, what this says is, Moses is saying, God, just do me a favor and kill me now and get it over with. Put, it, put me out of my misery so I don't have to continue down this same path, babying all these people. And the Lord said to Moses, verse 16, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there. And I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and I will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. Now Moses had come to his wit's end. He'd had it with their bellyaching about the manna crying out for meat, their disobedience, and just the overwhelming burden that he carried for them all alone. So he told God, if this is how it has to be, just kill me now, be merciful to me, and get me out of my misery. I've been at my wit's end a time or two, and I can remember once, I won't say which Child, it was, I only have two, so you don't have to think too hard about it. But I remember my mother telling me one time, I was kind of crying on her shoulder, and she said, Debbie, you cannot reason with a two-year-old. Just stop trying and put a stop to the behavior. So I did, and it worked. (laughs) So thank you, Mama, for that bit of wisdom. When I got to my wit's end and trying to reason with a two-year-old, has everybody anybody ever done that? Try to reason with a two-year-old? It doesn't work, does it? God proved right here to Moses that he cared about his feelings. He cared about the circumstances that he was in. And this is not the first time that this has been addressed in the recording of the Bible. In Exodus chapter 18, you don't have to turn there, but just remember, when Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, observed Moses sitting in leadership and in judgment of the people's needs and their government issues with extremely long lines of people from early morning till late at night, day after day, and Jethro said, Moses This thing you're doing is not good. Those were the exact words that are recorded in Exodus 18. And Jethro said, you will surely wear yourself out, and you are just not able to do this thing alone. So Jethro instructed Moses to go to God and get God's counsel on it, which he did And Jethro then laid out a plan to show Moses how to divide the people into groups of people. And he set ministers and he set um, leaders over them to govern them and to take care of their day-to-day issues. But the passage in Numbers is different. The commentary says that these groups of 70 men in Exodus and in Numbers are the very same men. They were not one group in Exodus and a different group in uh, Numbers. They were the same 70 men, but the difference is God instructed them to take care of governmental and leadership, civil things, civic things, if you will, in Exodus, but in Numbers. He addressed the spiritual needs of the people. And he addressed these 70 men's spirit to take care of that. He anointed them to deal with these spiritual matters. And this is why God said to Moses, Yes, I will help you. I will take of the spirit which is upon you, and I will give it to them, and I will anoint them as well to be your assistant prophets and to provide spiritual leadership as well as governmental leadership to the people. And the Bible says a little later on, that the 70 began to prophesy, and they did not cease. I don't want anyone to wonder, well, did God take away the spirit that was upon Moses? No, not so, because in Numbers, the 12th chapter, when Miriam and Aaron got a little too uppity with God and spoke against their brother Moses and his now staff of 70 prophets under him, God set them straight. And the Bible says, suddenly set them straight. Numbers 12, verse 4. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out, ye three, Unto the tabernacle of the congregation. Can you imagine God suddenly coming to you and saying, Go meet me in the front of the congregation. I'm going to talk to you. You kind of wonder, uh-oh, like being sent to the principal's office. What have I done? This is exactly what was coming. And the three went out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud, and he stood in the door of the tabernacle. And he called Aaron and Miriam, and they both stepped forth. Now hear my words. Verse 6. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision, or I will speak unto him in a dream. Verse 7. Am I wrong on my verses? Oh, okay. But my servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude or the likeness of the Lord shall he behold So why, therefore, then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous now we're going to stop reading there aaron repented and asked both moses and god for forgiveness and mercy for what he said and moses went to god and begged for a reprieve for his sister miriam and god said if her father had spit in her face when she was a baby and rejected her, it would have caused her to be outside the camp as unclean for seven days. So therefore, Miriam will be a leper for seven days outside the camp, and after that, she can come back in. I think we can all agree that God was very serious about them not speaking against his anointed Going back to the point that God anointed the 70 prophets with Moses' anointing and God told Miriam and Aaron that he had given them, the the prophets, only partial insight and limited spiritual knowledge through prophecy, dreams, and the visions to men. But not so with his servant Moses, because he allowed Moses to see God's likeness or his similitude, and he spoke face to face with Moses as a friend. So we get from this that there is a mosaic portion of spirit. There's an Elijah portion of spirit and an Elisha portion of spirit Double what Elisha's was, because this is what he asked for, and the Bible tells us that John the Baptist had Elijah's same portion of spirit. But in the Book of John, chapter three, verse thirty-four, when Jesus was baptized in water, with the and with the Holy Spirit, Jesus was given the Holy Spirit without measure. So in John chapter 1, when John saw the Holy Spirit depend, descend upon Jesus as a dove, and he said it abode there, it dwelled upon him, it did not leave, and it was without measure. Will you stay with me just a few more minutes? Just have a few more points I want to make. John said Jesus This is the Lamb of God. He's the one who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. So what does this mean for us? We're not Moses, we're not Elijah, we're not even the 70 prophets that he called. In Ephesians 3, 14, Paul said, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father The creator of everything in heaven and earth. And I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And Galatians tells us that God blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing as Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And finally, the last scripture I want to read, and Jesus said in John 7, 37 through 39, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And it concludes that verse by saying this, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive a second baptism, another portion of God sending his spirit through his son Jesus to pour into us that we might receive through faith. In closing, in my Bible, in this particular Bible, my big, big guns Bible, in the book of John, I have a passage of scripture Written here, beginning at verses 29 through 34 that Jim preached on this passage on Sunday night, March 25th, 2007. About John recognizing Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John saw that dove the symbol of the Holy Spirit, descending upon Jesus. And John wrote that it abode upon him and made his home there upon Jesus. Donnie found the recording of this sermon for me that Jim preached from John 1. And at the end of this sermon, he called a time of prayer. And after he preached... He gave a message in tongues and the interpretation. And I transcribed that. And I want to read it to you. My children, I want to speak to you tonight. Sounds just like him, doesn't it? If you can remember. That before you were born, I had a plan for your life. I had a plan and a calling upon you. And I love you and I want you to draw nearer to me. It doesn't matter if you're young and have plenty of life before you, or if you're a little older, I have a call for your life, and I haven't forgotten for one minute the call or the love that I have for you. And this is what grabbed my heart when I heard this. I want to strengthen you In my spirit, I want to draw you near to myself because I want to show you my love. Don't pull away from me because I want to show you blessings in your life. And I want to reveal to you from my word, my greatness and my power. And I want to use you to minister to the lost so that souls will be saved. Again, my call is not one that changes nor ends. It is forever. And I leave with you my love and my forgiving spirit to enable you to do what I've called you to do. Isn't that a beautiful message from the Lord? He wants to strengthen us in our spirit. That spirit that before Jesus was filled without measure was available only in part, like the 70 got a little piece. And that's how God deemed it would be for them. But we who are the believers in Jesus Christ are filled with a river of living water. And the Lord said, I will strengthen you in my spirit. Will you stand with me this morning? He called it his forgiving spirit. Oh, how we need that. How we need that river of living water to to get us through, to shepherd us through, to lead us through. Will you just raise your hand and ask him to do that now? To strengthen you in your spirit, to let that river of water flow jesus we just thank you today lord for this word we thank you for this wonderful infilling we thank you lord that it was intentional and that you received it without measure and you pass it along to us as rivers of living water how we thank you lord how we want to live worthy and and in your sight, O oh God, to carry this river and to let it flow through us and out of us so that souls can be saved. And that forgiving spirit, Lord, when we do mess up, and O oh God, we know that you are that propitiation for our sins. You were that sacrifice, and you can use that forgiving spirit, Lord, to quicken us to change us, Lord, to mold us and to make us more like you. Moses saw you, Lord, face to face, mouth to mouth, as it says in the word. Lord, you may have kept a cloud between you. I don't know the details of all that, but you put your spirit within us, revealing your son, Jesus Christ, to us. Oh, we accept it now, Lord. By faith, we accept it now, Lord. And we claim it as our own. And it changes us from within and makes us like you. Oh, we thank you, Lord. That measure of spirit, oh Lord, that you give us, thank you for it. Thank you for it, Jesus. Let others see it, oh God. Let others recognize it and know oh that is the Spirit of God and it cleanses and it forgives and it strengthens us in our inner man. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh Shatayaboko Sotoyamaki. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Tapped into that river. Oh, thank you, Father. Lord, I ask that you would go with us this week. At each one and every one, Lord, to our homes and our jobs and our lives, strengthened in that inner man by the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.